it is a lot of work to do the TikTok shit, to make the videos, to do it consistently. And it does take effort. And I know when I signed up for this job, I didn't expect part of it to be creating content like that. Mm. But that's just the reality of where we're in right now. What it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And if there's certain things that you want, there's certain things you have to do. Um, not saying that that's the only way, but it damn sure doesn't hurt. Yeah. Oh, Lord, Jesse made another one. Hey, what's going on, y'all? I'm your host, Brandon Jinx Jenkins, and welcome back to another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast, which you can watch exclusively on Spotify. This week, we're talking about virality and hip-hop. So first up, I'm told he's the Connect Four champion of the universe, not just the world. That's what they say, yeah. Yeah, rumor has it, 24K Golden. What's up, man? What's up, man? How you doing? Good to see you, man. Good to have you here. Thank you. And then next up, she's the Global Head of Music Partnerships at TikTok, Isabel Quintero Sanus. Muy bien, thank you. Nah, I was almost there, right? <laughs> you got it, yeah, you got there it. There we go. <laughs> and finally here, he's the founder of Trapital, Dan Runcie. What's going on, man? Thanks for having me, man. So you guys know we're talking big uh, big internet today, big virality, how that intersects with hip-hop, but I think we can widen the discussion of just music in general, right? Like how all these pieces work together. Do you feel like the pandemic was a big shift in how we, the outside, understood virality and maybe even specifically like TikTok? I think definitely how TikTok worked. I mm -hmm. think people were more open to maybe explore since we were all stuck inside. I mean, look, think about blinding lights, right? The record had been out for a long, not like, you know, a few months. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, we're all stuck inside and it becomes like this thing you could do with your family with the choreography and the thing and the, I don't even know. But like, it really kind of extended the lifespan of the of the record and like carried it through all of that spring and even summer. So I think the reason why was because people were having fun and it really kind of gave you an escape from mm -hmm. like what was happening on the inside. And that's just an example of like one track. But I think overall, like you said, it became a window or a con like connection point of like, there's life out there, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm sure you probably see this yourself as a content creator. Like if you're putting things out, when it's in your circles, you know what's there. But once things... Th there's a tweet arc through. where like if, some, if a tweet's about to go up and it's like the first hour is like everyone, that's just like my world. And then it goes yep. further. And it's usually about the 24-hour mark before someone's just like a contrarian. Yep. And then that's the that's the tweet window for me is 24 yep. hours. Yeah. And the people start responding as if they've had like beef with you your entire life. Or, or people are respond. <laughs> they're almost responding in response to that there's a response. Or like if there's, yep. if everyone's in agreement, they're like, oh, fuck that. You know, yep. so like there's there's that window of what virality can do just in the Twitter space. For you as a content creator... I think, when was it? It was a few years ago. I remember you had, you'd interviewed Ben Carson. And oh my you God. had asked Ben Carson, like, I don't know how that it? would it hit was... today. I asked him, I was like, if yo, Metro doesn't trust you. That's what it was. I don't know what the, <laughs> yes. it was during the presidential election. I was wilding. <laughs> but that went viral. <laughs> yeah. I saw that clip everywhere. Um, we feel that we represent the youth vote. Got to ask you to complete this sentence. If, if young Metro, Metro doesn't trust you, then you probably need to either become honest or be able to explain uh, the reason for their doubts. Dr. Ben Carson, thank you. I remember feeling like, damn, I can't, it's going and I can't grab it and harness it and use yep. anything from it. Um, 
Yeah. And, I, and I could imagine with that, like you have us here that would probably laugh and understand why you would ask him that. But then yeah. other people probably someone's like no the, context. Someone's like, for, the world's on on fire and this is what you you asked him. <laughs> but I was like, nah, because this guy, the, the premise of this was like, he was saying Obama didn't have the youth vote and didn't understand the youth. I was like, all right, well, this is the most youth, useful thing I can ask you. What's up? Do you know what, ha- if Young Metro doesn't trust you? His answer is actually really valid, but... Wait, what did he say? He was like, well, then you should probably look into why you're so untrustworthy. I was like, oh, shit. All right, Ben Carson. But yeah, it was this viral moment that... I mean, that one was even quicker. Like, within mm-hmm. a couple hours, people were like... Because it was in the political space and, right. and something so much bigger than being a journalist at Complex uh, poking fun at a, a, a presidential candidate. You know? Right. And to your point, that was 2016, yeah. somewhere around there, like... Mm-hmm. I don't even know what it would be like someone asking that to a candidate now. I'm sure that's something top of mind for you all with TikTok and how it's working with elections and all of that. Yeah, you know, I'm not too familiar with that part of our business and Mm -hmm. how they are going to be operating. Um, But there's definitely some community guidelines Mm -hmm. and, you know, structure. I also just think like even Mm -hmm. like what an Obama does with Facebook at that time and how that's, you know, like the business that's around the world moving and what that candidate looking for you all is going to be like, because it's like what Facebook was then, uh, the massive scale, you know, looking at a TikTok. I mean, do you remember Joe Biden and the bing bong thing with the Jonas Brothers <laughs> on TikTok? Yeah, that was a moment. Are you vaccinated? Yes, sir. Hey, yo. Who's the president, man? Who's the president? Byron. Who's the president? Byron. Do you want to tell Joe Byron right now? What's up, baby? Take me out to dinner. Uh, do we get it? We got it. Since we've had the internet, I feel like people are talking about virality now is like a big thing, but it's kind of been here the whole time, right? Yeah. Can any of you all think to like early examples of early platforms where an artist broke and you remember it? Like this can be MySpace, YouTube. I think the earliest one, like at least the first viral moment that I saw with my own eyes was Soldier Boy, Boy with the Crank Dad in like 2007. Yeah. Or whenever that was, because I feel like that was everywhere. Everywhere. I mean, I'm a little older. So, um, Kid Cudi in MySpace. Day and night. Yeah. Yeah. Day and night, like, just completely went viral on MySpace. Everyone had it as their top song. Yeah, mm-hmm. damn. Yeah. And I even think about 50 on MySpace, too, right? Like, MySpace music, he was all over that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, so... Break it down for somebody like me who was born after the fall of MySpace. Like, how would something go viral on that? So on MySpace, you had, you feel the setup, right? Like you had your top eight, you had your people and stuff. Top eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, okay. But I think the thing that was the difference between that and Facebook, mm-hmm. MySpace, had, MySpace had the music integration set up. Yeah. So you go to someone's page, you could listen. But then they also had MySpace Music, which is a separate type of thing, but it was still integrated where an artist could have their own profile. And it was a quick way to be like, hey, here's my music. You mm-hmm. can check it this out. This is who so, I am. Get yeah. to know me sort of thing. Right. Yeah. yeah. It was like your page as yeah. an artist. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of cool. You could like upload songs to it and stuff like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. I remember they kind of had like not an improved, approved library, but I remember I was like hacking it to get like Lil Wayne, like Gangster Grill stuff that wasn't really stuff they had immediately available. Ver- like yeah immediately available i mean you could hack it for sure yeah back then it was the wild west right there was no fingerprinting and back then it's <laughs> almost like they didn't know that we wanted music right on our profiles like facebook launched the whole profile there was no music mm. and then it became this thing where it was like okay you would track 
music became your identity, you would track who would pop. When you talk about Kid Cudi day and night, what did that look like? What did his viral look like on MySpace? So to me, I just remember going through people's like profiles and seeing day and night as the song that they had pinned to their profile. Because back then you would pin songs that would speak to like the mood you were in. Yeah. So, I mean, you kind of have that now with like stories when people like upload like mm-hmm. the profile of the song and you're like mood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that like predates that sort of behavior. But like, you know, when you had a big pool of people all having the same song pinned on their profile. It's like, you know, it's having an impact. I'm curious for you all, since we all kind of come from different perspectives on the word viral, what does viral mean to each of you? Like when something's going viral, like how do you see that? I think viral is when something breaks and it goes to a place where you couldn't have expected that impact. I think so much of marketing, you expect it to reach a certain number of people, but viral is when it goes beyond that. It takes a life of its own and you could have controlled some of it in the beginning, but now it's really out of your hands. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I agree. I think it's when it hits mass, right? Away from the original sort of like target consumer into like everybody in the world. I guess YouTube's the first viral platform you remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. When you guys start watching that, how are some of these things changed? When I think about MySpace, I don't know the back end of it, but like, was Kid Cudi able to grab up all that? Was he able to document that and and track that? Like, how is sort of uh, platform and virality changed over time? So it's funny you mentioned that. I watched his documentary where he actually speaks on this Mm. and he was like, I wasn't able to monetize. I wasn't able to really figure out exactly how wide it spread, but I knew it went viral because it got playtime on radio Mm. back then Mm. without necessarily being backed by a label. And that was one of the first times, I think, that that kind of had happened. So you really needed big pockets to get it to those airwaves. So you had a deal in? You didn't have a deal in? Uh, I actually just got my deal like two months ago. <laughs> While this record's been playing on the radio, all the time you just got your deal? Yeah, we made it on Billboard without a deal. Like, the song goes viral and all it does is really earn him more traditional things, like maybe radio, maybe placements, maybe some um, interest in his career, but he can't say, like, this song's going viral, I'm already paid off that. I'm already can take this number and this data and use it. Correct. I think back then it was just the very early days, right? Like, mm-hmm. you had your profile... You had your friends. There was no real, like, back-end data. But, like, it was just, like, a community sort of thing. I think that has evolved out into something that it has become a tool to, like, inform. Hey, here are the tracks that are going viral. Here are the tracks that have potential to go viral. And, you know, it's just become a completely different, like, ball game now. Mm. Thinking about the blog era overall. Mm-hmm. It taps in, I think that's what virality really comes from. It's how do you tap into the internet to be able to have distribution, reach people you couldn't otherwise. And in a lot of ways, the blog era happening around the same time that we saw Soulja Boy have cranked that and then that goes off. That, I think, was a little different because, of course, Soldier Boy is on this platform where everyone is watching these random YouTube videos. Yeah. Blog era is hitting a specific group of people that are trying to search for the next thing. A Music lot of heads. us that I think are in it, yeah. you know? So, But even that had a sense of virality because that's where it comes from. The Kid K- A Kid Came Cuddy mixtape is what brought us that. Right. Hey, how did things go viral before the internet? I have no idea. Yo, I'm so like, <laughs> it's like... I remember when that word first started to pop up, I was like an intern at a uh, at an ad company. Mm-hmm. You know, clients were coming in like Target's like, you know, we just, 
we just really want to go viral, you know, or they were like, they were having meetings like, so do you guys think we need like a social media person? Like that's how early it was. Mm -hmm. Before that, it was like, we were just calling songs hits. Yeah. Right. Or like, that's a banger. Like that shit went off. Like there was no word for it. I feel like virality really was partnered with the internet. With, like, yeah, they, they came right. together. Mm. Or like, I don't know if y'all remember the early days when like people were trying to sell shit and so like they would do like flash mobs. Y'all remember that shit? <laughs> yeah. Yo, yeah. like people, everyone like descending on one part of like a store or city and trying to like create a buzz, create a moment. Yeah, I mean, thinking back now, it was like the mixtapes, right? Mm -hmm. That was like, like, album to hand and just being out there and working the streets and making sure everybody had your mixtape. Yeah. And that's kind of like the origin of maybe going viral without the internet. Just, you just had to be out. I feel like in the early days of tech, tech was just imitating, like it was a digital version of what was happening in real life. Like, oh, I got a mixtape, so I'm going to make this digital representation exactly the same way. Like, I'm going to make cover art. Back in the day, you would even get a, a digital mixtape that had back cover art. You're like, I don't, why do I even need this shit? Like, I can only see the cover, but it was exact duplicate. And today it's something different. Today it's like music's being almost created. I mean, it's not almost music is created for the internet, for the internet. Yeah. So I'm curious with you and your early creation of songs. Um, like you have songs you're creating before and then you have songs once you go viral. Do you feel like there's a difference in your pattern or was it like what changed in your process? Mm, I think when you, whenever you first start making music, usually that's like the most like pure artistic expression yeah for me i was in high school i was 15 and i just was tired of like freestyling on youtube beats that nobody could ever hear again after i finished my three minutes or whatever yeah so i just wanted to like make songs that people at my school could listen to and people in my city could listen to i go to a house party and they might play it or something like that after going viral i think you kind of realize how big the world is and how big something can be. Yeah. Especially right after my intention was always to reach like the largest audience possible because I'm like, yo, I can make a song that they might be listening to in Korea or Denmark. So yeah. when I make this, if I make this song and it's too specific, are they still going to get it? Which can be a good thing or a bad thing. Um, but I want to go back to like when that, the first time you had a song play at a house party, like did it feel as good as going viral right now? It felt better than going viral right now. <laughs> I was juiced. Like, yeah. 16, you go into a party, and you hear your song come on. All the girls are like, oh, my God, is that you? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Can you define your first viral moment? And, like, when did you know, like, when did you know what's happening? How did you piece it together, you know? Yeah, so my first viral moment was because of TikTok. Mm. And it was with this song called Valentino. And I found out about it because I got my wisdom teeth out. I couldn't do anything. So I was just checking it out. Like, TikTok for one of the first times in general, really. Like, yeah. it was 2019, very early. And I was like, oh, let me just check and see what my song is doing on here. And I saw I had like 10,000 videos or something like that made to it. And I didn't realize that was a big deal already. So I'm like, oh, cool, 10,000. I checked back like two hours later and it's at 11,000. 30 minutes later, 12,000. And it just kept going and going and going. And I was like, is this, is this what being viral feels like? Am I going viral right now? Am I going viral right now? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. I'm curious because I was talking to um, Ice Spice about this. Like, did you have a moment where you're almost like going viral and that moment's ahead of where you're actually at? Like what you're prepared for business-wise, expectations? You know, like, imagine if you knew you were planning to go viral that day, you wouldn't have got your wisdom teeth pulled out. You know what I'm saying? Like, like did you feel prepared for it? 
Yeah, and I think it's just because I was so overconfident, especially at that time. I thought I should have been went viral. Already. Okay, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, but I I don't know. Everybody's a little bit different. That's that's really the right answer, though. Yeah, you <laughs> yeah. Know. I'm curious for you all. It's like, how are you? Um, how are you observing, especially in you're dealing with music and business, but also for you on the business end, how are you observing, like even like interacting with artists that are like, some of them are prepared, some of them know what's happening. And I imagine you're still to the portion of user-generated gener content where some of them don't know. They do something almost innocent and then it takes off, right? Yeah, I, look, I think for me, the greatest part of what I do is having that connection with artists and the artist community. You know, when we first met, in 2019, he had just gone viral. And we just, essentially, I was like, hey, I, I love what you're doing. I love your content. Let's stay in touch. And honestly, that's kind of how I approach all of my conversations, regardless of like where they are at mm. in their career. Like, you know, we were just talking about um, this one guy who has a song called My Truck. You can call me crazy, but don't touch my truck. I met him when he was still just fresh out of college and I just hit him up and was like, you're going viral. Now he's signed to Atlantic Records and like doing big things. But the relationship remains the same. It's still like back how it was when we first started speaking to them. So for me, it's more about supporting the artist community, ensuring that they have the proper tools mm -hmm. to continue to find success on platform. And then, you know, have an open dialogue of like, hey, how are you doing? How is this? You know, like making sure that they're making connections with other people in the community so they can continue to build on their content. What are some of those tools? The way that TikTok moves is so quickly that trends change immediately. Like they change over so quickly that you need to essentially just stay on top of it. So I like to do checkings where I'm just like, hey, this is what's happening. Obviously, we want to make sure that you're staying very true to yourself and, you know, connecting with an audience that shares the same interests as you. But here's sort of the things that are happening now that could potentially get you there quicker. I, I remember you used to send out a newsletter like every week, like this is what's trending. These are the filters. These are the sounds. X, Y, Z. Exactly. You know, those those type of things. Yeah. And then, you know, trying to find elevation opportunities. So, hey, we have promoted lives. Do you want to perform in this live? Do you want to be part of this? Like, or like we have marketing campaigns where we really take like emerging talent and really elevate them to put them in front of a new audience. So it's all about just benefiting not just the artists, but the community because the community benefits by seeing them win too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think one of the things I've seen, this is both talking to artists and seeing the space too, is there's so much pressure that I think artists start to feel after that first hit that they have. Yeah. And how do you replicate that? How do you do that again? Because then I think there's a little piece of that mind that's like, feels like the expectation is higher, but and likely it is. And maybe you likely learned a lot from that, but it's still tough to replicate that. It's still tough to get there. And I think holistically, most artists would like to feel that, okay, I may not be able to have every hit that I do that way, but if I could still have a few every once in a while and just trust the process that that'll happen, then it's great. But from an artistic perspective, it can be tough to feel that way because I'm sure that you probably had songs that you're like, oh, I think this song is better than that song that took off. Why didn't that one go that way? And then other times it's like, this one took off? Really? Exactly what you say. You know, there definitely comes that sense of pressure, both internal and external, after you go viral because you're like, 
well, shit, I'm not trying to be a one-hit wonder. How do I do this again? That's Yeah. And you got to accept that you really didn't do it in the first place. Like, going viral is, like we said, out of your control, beyond your control. And you might have done something to kick it off, or you might have made a great song. But there's all these other factors of what else is happening in the world right now? Who else is dropping? What's going on in culture? What time did you make your post? Or what time did you drop that song that led to it being as big as it was? And yeah. the truth is, like, probably, like, 90% of that has nothing to do with you as an artist. It's really exactly. what the people want. Yeah. Like, if you're making something that the people want, they're going to react to it. Mm-hmm. And they can, like, you know, find commonality in it. Yeah. And that's why when when artists are chasing that virality, I'm like, you. that's not the goal. The goal is building an audience. So, like, build your audience by being authentic and, like, really just showcasing parts of yourself that, you know— other people might not see because all they see is like Golden, the artist, but he's really funny. So he can be, you know, he can connect with like his community that enjoys comedy or, you know, somebody like I Spice, she's also really into like fashion. And so like, I think you can find ways to connect without necessarily having to be pressured to be driving music all the time. Mm. But then once you have music, now you have an audience that you can activate. So, but for you, you you did follow it up with another viral hit. You had mood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know we got a couple of them. You know that yeah. was the the biggest one for sure. But how did it feel that first time, um, kind of striking gold, and then the second time being like? Did it give you actually the understanding that you have now where, because the way you said it was very clear and succinct of like, well, you, I might not be able to control all that. What is it like having two back-to-back? Did, did you get that or was it like? So Moo was actually the third back-to-back because mm-hmm. I had City of Angels in between Valentino and and uh, Mood. And this was a little bit different because in the beginning, you actually could control a lot of it more than than you can now as okay. far as like, meeting up with influencers and if you had enough people do videos to your sound and it was a good enough sound, mm. then I think there was going to be some traction. But now the secret is out. The cat is out the box. So everyone knows that you need influencers to make videos with your songs or with your sounds. So the impact isn't as like... Everyone's kind of figured out the formula, right? Yeah. 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 How has that changed your approach? Because obviously TikTok is different from Mood and Valentino or where it is now. Yeah, and I still think that's how a lot of music discovery is happening and it's still one of the best platforms for music discovery. But I'm I'm more focused on just making the best music possible that feels authentic to me so I can build that audience, like she said, instead of just trying to engineer some or create a viral moment. Yeah, I'm curious for you. Do you feel like that's um, that's a big part of uh, like an artist's understanding to be like, hey, like the viral moment's great for you, but like essentially you need something outside of that. Like is it catalog building, brand building, et cetera? Yeah, 1,000%. Yeah. Like- I think like what I always tell artists is like the main goal for you to be on TikTok it shouldn't be to go viral. It should be to build an audience because that audience will travel with you outside of the platform. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when the time comes, when you're ready to put your album out, you already have this very engaged community that knows you and wants to root for you mm-hmm. that's going to help propel that music forward. 
And so from that, you can get a viral hit. But it's just, you know, it's, it's a different approach. And, you know, for the artists that are coming in and just kind of zooming in for when they are in cycle and then they zoom out, that's not authentic. So mm. there, and, and the community knows like when it's just like, oh, pure marketing play. So they're just kind of like, mm, cool. So I think overall, it's important to, when you're thinking about TikTok, it's about that, you know, being organic, being true to yourself, having true relationships with the audience that you're building that's going to give you success. Dan, for you over time, like what have you found from artists that have found sustainability? Um, uh, or I guess even just creators at large that have found sustainability past the viral moment, past like, it's like, I imagine it's the same as like having a hit record what it would have been 20 years ago and people being like, all right, now what? You right. know? Yeah. I noticed that artists are keeping at it. They're not resting on their laurels. They're still trying to either release music, but they're trying to find new ways. They're always following the latest trends. They're not just trying to replicate what they've already done. I think to be honest, I think in the SoundCloud era, there were a number of artists that tried to replicate what they did. And I think some of them tried to reinvent and find new things. And I think that's why we've seen some of those artists continue to be successful and some of those kind of faded with the era. But I do think that the artists that have been successful on TikTok and have continued to be like you, Golden, you're seeing what's there, you're adapting your sound and you're continuing to do it because... I know that there's this analogy I've used to myself with TikTok being the new MTV. And in a lot of ways, I think that one of the things we saw with MTV too is people seeing what the music video looks like that works. And then mm -hmm. they try to replicate that themselves. Everyone wanted the Hype Williams video. Everyone wanted to be in a tunnel. Even artists that had no <laughs> business being in the yeah. damn tunnel were trying to be in the tunnel. And that makes me think like from what you're seeing from TikTok, do you feel like artists are trying to do the same thing and you're trying to be like, hey, be yourself, be yourself. Don't just try to follow the formula. Yeah, I think there's definitely that. But there's also pressure, right? From like uh, record labels, management to just have that viral moment. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, that never really works unless that's really who you are. Mm. Because it's so transparent where you're trying to be something you're not. That it's at that point, it's just best that you don't even try because it just comes across as flat. What's the relationship like with you all in record labels and sort of internal teams, right? Like some of this is happening where like a song is building and blowing up and you're like, okay, I'm able to like interact with the artist directly or their team and start that. But I imagine a lot of these conversations are happening in the reverse order where a label's coming to you on being like, what do we need? What are the pieces that we need to like help? help get us there. Yeah, I think actually it's it there's definitely some of that, but we work very closely with record labels. We have an entire team that is dedicated to support the releases and mm -hmm. ensuring that the label has all the latest information of like what's happening. The newsletter that we send to artists is accessible also to record labels. So, you know, we try to just provide everyone with the tools to win. I think uh when there is a song that's going viral, um that may not be up release priority that tends to just kind of fall on management a little bit more because bottom line is just not going to change anything for the record label. So mm -hmm. I think it's just very much about how we engage with them has to do with like what's priority and like what's happening with, you know, that release schedule. And then everything else is just sort of like, you know, catalog. Now, I can say that there are some record labels that are very excited when their catalog starts trending um, yeah. because, you know, that a song that came out, you know, 10, 12 years ago that all of a sudden is just blowing up, 
that that's exciting, especially when Cha-ching. curious <laughs> y'all. There's, there's also baggage that comes with going viral, right? We've talked about like the the pressure to come up with a uh, another hit, right? To avoid the one hit wonder label, but and I feel like this happens almost not specifically, but especially in the hip hop space about. Uh, artists, I'm not doing none of that TikTok shit. I'm not doing none of that viral shit. I'm not making these songs for these platforms. We heard the same thing in the SoundCloud era, right? Um, what do you? Th- where do you think that comes from? And how do you feel about that? I think a lot of people are just like a little unwilling to accept change. Mm. And it is a lot of work to do the TikTok shit, to make the videos, to do it consistently. And it does take effort. And I know when I signed up for this job, I didn't expect part of it to be creating content like that. Mm. But that's just the reality of where we're in right now. What it is. Yeah, it is what it is. And if there's certain things that you want, there's certain things you have to do. Um, not saying that that's the only way, but it damn sure doesn't hurt. Yeah. I'm also curious for you. So when you're starting, like, it's like, is a lot of your music in the beginning days living on like a platform like SoundCloud? Yeah, I was, they, they was calling me a SoundCloud rapper before they was calling me anything else. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you feel like this has changed where it's like, there's obviously difference in the platform. One, TikTok being um, visual and more mm-hmm. in short bursts. And how do you feel like that affects the music you're creating and how the audience perceives you? Um, I think it gives you the opportunity to showcase yourself more to the audience and who you are and what your personality is like if you choose to take it. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, like we said earlier, people do, there's a lot of pressure, you know, both internally and externally from labels and people like that of, this sound is popular right now on TikTok or this type of music is working, so make a song like that. And that's where you get a lot of contrived stuff and stuff that feels forced and flat. Yeah. But there's no, like, formula to it. It's really just what the people want. Yeah. And that could be anything from an Afrobeat song to a, a Metro Station song from 10 years ago mm. to, you know, whatever Drake releases next. So yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it is no formula. You can't figure it out. You just got to do you and keep your fingers crossed. Yeah. Dan. Yeah. The other thing that I think people often mistake is people are more likely to not want to do something because they may see one example of someone that has it and they'd be like, oh, Frank Ocean doesn't do this. It's like, well, that's an outlier. That's like a founder being like, oh, well, Zuckerberg didn't graduate from college, so I don't need to do it. Like, think about like- You're not hitting the melodies like Frank. You got to make them TikToks. (laughs) Make Blonde and then come talk to me. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. I'm curious for you all, um, how do you feel like it changes from someone who's like an emerging artist um, and they're on these platforms and, you know, virality hitting them versus a more established artist? I mean, I get this question all the time. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I, it doesn't matter because look at Nicki, Nicki Minaj and Super Freaky Girl. Every time he leave me alone, he always tell me he missed it. He wanna She went number one. It was her first number one in the uh, Billboard Hot 100s. And it really came just from going viral on TikTok. I mean, she was getting like 300,000 creates a day. So it was was definitely a massive moment for her. And the thing I can say about it is that 
she was so willing to work with us and try everything to engage her community on TikTok. And like, she nailed it. And, you know, that song is still going. So do you think the thing that's maybe different is what comes after? Like maybe it's a little less baggage when she pops off on this platform. Does it do you feel like even it maybe legit helps to legitimize the platform? I mean, I don't know if legitimizing is the right word, because if you look at how many artists have been signed off of TikTok, mm-hmm. I mean, there's hundreds. So it's more about like, you know, it's a win for her and we're really happy. But like, there are so many artists that are winning from being on platform that we should celebrate every win. I think I mean maybe more like in the overall opinion in the hip-hop space. Mm. I don't know. It's a loaded question. Right? It's like, be- <laughs> yeah. because hip-hop can look at it as pejorative, right? They can look at it as sort of like, ah, uh, like, and then you watch like one of the OGs go in there and like level up and and also like get something that they really need out of it. I think it's just all about like the conversation and who is having that conversation, right? Mm. Because it, different audiences have different things to say about it. If I were to talk about like the hip hop community, I think everyone's happy to see Nicki win. Mm. You know, it's it's been a minute that she's been out there. She was doing the mom thing for a while. And so it's just good to see such an icon come back and come back strong. Dan, I'm curious for you. It's like, how are you seeing other business opportunities that feel unique to someone going viral? It's a perfect opportunity to have some type of commerce that's capitalizing on the moment, right? Like, it kind of reminds me of, you remember when, um, like when Popeyes had made those tracksuits that looked like Beyonce's Ivy Park ones, like when their sandwiches were going wild? It's a very timely thing that isn't going to work outside of a three-week window, but they're able to capitalize on it. And I think that artists that are trying to focus primarily on at least starting out from a single perspective, you can do things like that, especially if there's some unique thing. I think even someone like a um, like a Lil Nas X, let's say, he, I think he's been smart about how he's marketed his career, but if he wanted to have some shirt that was like, country doesn't want me, who cares, or something like that, it could have sold. I think the challenge for some of that, though, is that the economy that happens from a single is definitely different from building an entire career. But I do think the artists that are doing it well are able to take that into a career. I think the challenge sometimes comes when if you blow up on TikTok and then you try to double the prices for your concert tickets or you try to then go to like a venue that's like multiple size bigger. Mm -hmm. I think we've probably seen a few things of artists trying to do stuff like that. And it's like, Getting someone to put money up to go see you in real life, there's still a big gap between that and going viral. Yeah. But these things happen in, in 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 moments, right? So there's still things you could do to capture that, you know, virality to make some money off of what's happening. But the most of the things that I think most artists really want still do take time. This is the second episode, uh, like back to back, that someone's mentioned the Pop Popeye's chicken sandwich. That's just crazy. <laughs> that shit went viral. Um, Wait, what context was the last one? Bro? Uh, I don't remember, but I feel like it was bad. Uh, oh. But that shit's delicious. Anyways, uh, <laughs> but how do you resist that? Right, like the idea of like yo, you have a song goes viral, and it's like there's a world where like sure you could print up T-shirts with like the hook on it, right? Like there's all these things you can do to create commerce around it, and there's a world where virality puts all these eyes on you and maybe even strips you of the context of who you are, right? Mm. I think it really, you just got to know yourself and know what you want to get out of it because some people are are meant to be generational artists and some people should run it up. While you got it. <laughs> and, and get up out of here and, I don't know, buy some property somewhere. Facts. And, and I think it's just about being honest with yourself about who you are, what are your goals, what are your intentions, and um, 
if you do want to be one of those artists that, you know, cares about touring and want to tour till you're 60 years old, you're going to have to build that business up, that that leg of your business up separately, the old-fashioned way, by starting off at the smaller venues and getting bigger and bigger every year. Mm-hmm. And a viral moment can help you get those festival looks that will feed into your, your touring business and stuff yeah. like that or bring more people to the show. But it's never, I don't know, shortcuts just cut you down short. Real. I also feel like cameo has kind of become the de facto. Like, oh, yeah. oh you go viral. Let me capitalize on this for a oh, hot minute. I don't. I don't totally know cameo. This is like where you just literally excel yourself talking, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's like a marketplace yeah. for that. Okay. So, like, you y'all remember was it earlier this year the Detroit survival guy that was doing all the ridiculous. You know what I'm talking the, about? The self defense. Yeah, the, the self defense oh, guy. Yeah, <laughs> that shit was mad funny. He is an artist, but it's like that type of thing is like what you can yeah. make off of. Yeah. If you choose to do that, but yeah. Yeah, to Golden's point, if you want to make your money and go, you can do that. Do you feel like there is a misinterpretation of what TikTok fame is, right? Like, everything you guys are talking about is actually a world in which you cannot just make a song, like maybe in SoundCloud, where you go viral, and all you have is this this, this wave file, mm-hmm. right? There's, like, there's no pictures. There's no, no one's going to, like, press the next song and just have you talk for, like, 10 minutes about who you are. Do you feel like there's a misinterpretation of the fact that it seems like TikTok allowing you to actually add context to your artistry and add context to who you are. Yeah, no, we were just talking about like being yourself, right? And like building an audience that can connect with you outside yeah. of your music making. Um, and I think, you know, the reason why it's so successful and why there's so many songs that are being discovered on on the platform is because there is that connectivity. And the way that you consume content on the platform, it drives you to basically find the same interest that you have. And then you'll just, you know, be scrolling and then find somebody that you really like or like a song that you really like. And then that leads you to more content and just kind of self-feeds that way. Uh, And it's curated for you, right? Mm. That's why it's called the For You Feed. So I think, you know, ultimately what happens on TikTok that perhaps didn't didn't happen anywhere else, maybe Vine was the closest thing because it was like six-second videos, yeah. um, is that you get to know the artist in a different way and you end up really liking them, whether it be because they're funny or because they're into cars or whatever it may be, and like you want to root for them. And so once a song goes viral, what we've seen is that likely you'll have more viral moments if you continue to stay active. Mm. I mean, look at Golden. He got three, three back to back. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. are there are there examples that any of you all look to, whether it's um, as an artist, um, observing business, or even on the, like the tech side of being like these were mis- mis- viral missteps, or maybe not understanding the same thing about virality. Like, I'm not gonna say the defense dude uh, didn't do the right thing. I also don't want him to show up and put me in like he's actually <laughs> he's actually kind of nice with it, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, are there examples, even like historically, of like a viral misstep of like, you know, maybe someone pressed the issue too fast or didn't understand the landscape of it or like something like, you know, seeing a viral number and be like, okay, I'm going to do a stadium. And it's like, ah, you, you can't, you know? Right. Someone I think about a lot with this is Fetty Wap. Mm. I think that it was this moment that 
we were starting to see it was right in that SoundCloud rap moment that he had started to blow up. I think he had he he had a sound that worked that summer. All everyone was hearing and wanted to hear those songs. I think I know there was a bunch of record label issues that weren't necessarily the best there. But if you would have played that scenario like ten times, I feel like six of those times he at least could have been more successful than he was. I think that there wasn't enough to think beyond the trap queen era of mm. like the kind of sound that he was doing. The way that he was like yodeling in sounds and, and songs and stuff reminds me of like what we saw Young Thug do really well and what we've seen other people try to copy from like what Thug has done as well. There's clearly something there that wasn't tapped into just from an artistic perspective. And I really think that he had something special and unique beyond just like a few hits there. So he had the viral hit. I feel like whether it was something we're thinking about him more broadly, not just trying to re-repeat Trap Queen and Bando and every other single he had after that, yeah. I think he could have extended things more. So he's the one that probably I think about the most with this question. Yeah. yeah there are examples, even in a tech side of like, um, maybe it's like a company or a platform that's like, man, if they like if they tweak things different, it'd be uh, an opportunity to actually sustain more uh, virality and provide that to more of the ecosystem. Golden, what do you think? You know, I use this question as an opportunity to give some advice to any upcoming artist or anybody that's got a song that's going viral whatever way and um, they don't put it out. Sometimes people wait like a month, two months, three months after their sound or their song went viral to put it out and by that time everybody had forgotten it or the hype isn't as big as it was before. So if you got something that's going there's no need to uh, do what Lil Yachty did and just put it out, man. Just put it out. What do you think have been the biggest steps for you to sustain that and be able to sort of bottle up that audience and that attention and be able to turn it into something that's like that's that you can utilize? I think it's a couple of different things. I think it's consistency just with the music that I'm putting out and mm -hmm. keeping it keeping the high quality. It's um, willingness to expand my audience beyond just a single platform. Yeah, post things to a trend of your song, but also post stuff that has nothing to do with that. Tease another song yeah. that you want to put out next, you know? Mm -hmm. Don't don't get caught up in the moment. Just recognize it for what it is and, and you really got to, because it's so personal, you know, it's so individualized. You got to look at yourself and look at your team and your resources and ask yourself, what is, are the best things I could be doing right now to expand this into more than just a moment. I would yeah. say yes, but as long as it feels natural to you. Like yeah. you don't want to be doing things that don't, that, you know, that make you uncomfortable because that's going to come across. Yeah. But somebody that really comes to mind that's doing amazing at capitalizing in this big moment is Armani White with mm. Billie Eilish. Bitch, I'm stylish. Black talk, big t-shirt, Billie Eilish. Watch on my wrist, but I want that diamond. Niggas talk crazy when I pull up in sight. Mile high, run that shit back, bitch, I'm stylish. He's just eating it up. Like, he's just out there having fun with it, creating content to it. He's everywhere, like you said. But really, like, you know, we we started working with him over a year ago. He was part of our Sound On Incubator. 
And, you know, we worked Billie Eilish for a while until it started kind of going. And then he got the deal with Toonji, shout out Toonji, um, to go to Def Jam. Yeah. So, and and if you if you see his content, it just it's really fun. It's really wild. He's just really enjoying the success and like bring you bringing you along in the ride with him. Which I think you know, as a, as a user or as a fan, you don't get to see that in like you know front row seat. You just get to hear about it or read about it. So when you say that you're working with him in like this incubator program, like what does this look like, right? Yeah, so we have our Sound On distribution platform, which opened up last year. Um, and essentially, we have a team that works very closely with artists that want their um, their music to live in our distribution platform to give them best practices and ensure that they know exactly what's happening on platform and how to basically leverage it in a way that they can really, you know, blow up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had Money Long earlier in mm-hmm. the year, uh, also Tunji. <laughs> So uh, we've had Armani White, Nikki Yor uh, with Sunroof. And so there's just, we've had like, we found a lot of success with it so far, which I think, you know, a lot of the record labels are um, really happy about because they get to come in and take it and run with it and take it to the next level where we're not able to take it just yet. With this legitimacy, watching artists that are like, you know, not having that moment where like it, it goes up and we're like, what happened to them, right? Someone that can create it multiple times um, and then also build a longer lasting career, wrapping business around it. How do we feel like the public's, um, on the public, I mean the audience, uh, the journalists, everyone who's not the artist or on the business side, how do we feel like the public's relationship with virality is changing? Like, are people looking at it as like, when we used to throw somebody as a one-hit wonder, which also, by the way, that used to be the biggest insult you could have in music. It's like, yo, having one hit is fire. Yeah. I wish I had one hit right now. <laughs> one hit. But like, you know, it's like that, Um, trying to understand what that is. Like, do you feel like, like the tone is changing about how we feel about vi- virality and going viral? I think so. Because to your point, I think it was so negative before everyone would either make fun of or have jokes and people would disassociate themselves, even if they had hits we love now because they didn't want to be associated because of how just culture made fun of them for having one hit, one hit wonder or whatever it was. Now though, because it's almost an expectation, I feel like it's kind of this separation where artists feel like if they're not at that, you know, Drake, Beyonce, Taylor Swift level that they almost feel like they have to be viral every time they release something to do something. Mm -hmm. And so I think from an audience perspective, audiences, at least from a mindshare piece, feel like things need to be viral to reach them. I think, you know, for each of us, whether it's things on Twitter or things that we're seeing on social media, a lot of the things that we probably talk about or share with our friends are things that are viral and Mm, that may escape and probably wouldn't reach us otherwise unless we're following that person on a regular basis. So I think when that's there, it's kind of the separation where we either see the things that are viral from the one in a million chance someone has to go viral or the things we know from the people that are going to do it or the people that are, unless you're within someone's niche already and they're speaking to you. And Mm -hmm. because it's kind of that separation, it does make things tougher, but I also think it probably puts a little bit of understanding from the audience perspective, but a little bit of pressure on artists too. I, 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 yes, definitely. I think TikTok actually just 
completely changes that because they're serving you content based on your interest. And like you're being served content of things you don't necessarily follow, which is, I think, why it makes music discovery so easy on platform is because you're being served content from all over the world, depending on like what your interests lie in. And they come with different sounds. And I think that's what makes it really special because it breaks down like all the separation issues that you may have in any other social platform. I think when people encounter something that's going viral and they don't understand it, don't have a backstory for it, or it's not for them, do you feel like that's where some of like the, like the negativity can come and they're like... Perhaps. Look, I think everybody is going to have an opinion of everything that is culturally relevant, right? Mm-hmm. And like, they're going to be good opinions and bad opinions, and that's just the way the world works. And I think that as an artist that is going viral, that, that is going to have that kind of criticism, but as a, that praise, I always say, just focus on the positive. Like the fact that you are going viral right now and opening up doors and giving you opportunities to like reach a bigger audience outside of your immediate surrounding, that's huge. Sure, there's going to be this, right, on the sidelines, but like that's sometimes sparked by jealousy or I could do it better or like whatever it may be, like the narrative, but they're not doing it, right? (laughs) So, yeah. yeah. A lot of people that were like, Looking at me like, yo, why is he doing this TikTok thing? Ah, in the beginning, now I see them trying to do the same thing that I was doing. When do you feel like that switch happened? That's a good question. Probably in the pandemic. I was about, yep. all right, so that's, I want to talk about the pandemic and how that affected virality because I feel like we were all outside and then we weren't. And it feels like for me personally, when TikTok really found its way into my world, it was like everyone was still trying to feel alive and feel like a bit of life, right? And it was like, we all have phones. We're all trying to figure out what's going on. Bored in the house. I'm at house and bored. What? Wow. What yeah, that? I forgot. <laughs> so long yeah. Ago. Yeah. Oh man, I want to know. Like, I want to know. Shout the, out Curtis Roach. I love that guy. I want to know like the TikTok, <laughs> like like all time hits. Because even you just saying that is crazy. I forgot about. Oh, that. we were just in in the green room talking about the pew 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 girl, Auntie Hammy. Oh wow! <laughs> wow! So many things that feel like five years ago when they yeah. were. When you guys encounter an artist like 24K Golden and the stuff he's doing or the artists like him, the stuff they're doing, how does that change your business model? Like, or like, are there big, has there been like something that happened in music that made you guys be like, we need to shift this and adjust this to capture this and be in front of it so that um, it's not a moment like I throw this thing on Twitter and I can't grab it because the platform doesn't support that. Yeah, no, we are artists first, you know, so we want to make sure that they have the tools to capitalize. So we're starting to build features like, Mm -hmm being able to sell tickets directly from your profile mm. or like, you know, e-com is coming in and making sure that you have your storefront set up, things like that, that I think you're going to start seeing a lot more wide. And we're always going to be iterating. Like we want to make sure that if there's something that we're seeing that makes sense, that that needs a platform that's going to benefit the artist, we're going to do it. And up until now, what's been like the, maybe like the biggest event and then the thing that had changed within the organization? Be like, okay, let's do this. And we're seeing like a positive feedback. Biggest event. I think live. Mm. (laughs) Yeah, because, you know, during pandemic, we introduced our live product. And like, we were all about ensuring that since nobody could be outside and artists weren't touring, that they could, you know, use the product to essentially continue to connect with their audience and introduce new music. And I think we're continuing to iterate that to make sure that it's the best product that we have. What's the number one question you get from labels and artists? I think the main question that they always want to know is like, what is happening? What is happening on TikTok? Like, 
what are the trends? Who's who's coming up? Mm-hmm. Especially the labels. Who's hot? Um, but with artists, also like, how do I? How can I create better content? Like, mm. how can I? You know, be comfortable with the platform because it's very intimidating if you're not on platform to try to just open up and like put phone to camera and like or face to camera and try to just like say something it's just like it's it can be a lot so we try to give them like different tips and ideas on how to get started and you know and build from there and get them more comfortable dan what's the biggest or not biggest what's the most what question do you hear the most um, when it comes to like people thinking about virality and platform and but also in the business sense? The biggest question I get is something that's generally around what could I or what should I do as an independent artist if I'm trying to do this or if I'm trying to break out? So a lot of that does deal with how do they get their word out there? They're trying to go viral. They're trying to break through in some way, but they're also aware that they may not have all of the resources or all of the things. So they're trying to get a sense for what are the creative ways that they could go about things. I'd probably get a few more questions around how to, how to structure things or how best to think about things from that perspective. But when it gets down to it, people want to be able to feel like, okay, if I'm going to make a trade-off to try to do this myself, how can I still ensure that I'm reaching as much as I can or I'm doing as much as I can or investing as much as I am, whether it's with the money I do have, with the content. I think sometimes they'll see clips or they'll hear, hear things or they'll read things and how do they contextualize that? So I think that's part of it, but it's also how do they not just see what happened three, four years ago and think that that's going to work. Try now, that again. Right? Because yeah. I'm sure you probably get that a lot. And I'm sure you probably hear from people being like, oh, how can you do for me what you did for Doja Cat and stuff? And it's like, <laughs> well, she was already, you know, like blowing up before she got here. And she's kind of, you know. Well, she's a TikTok icon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you can do that, then you, we can replicate can it. tell all of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um well, I mean, even with that said, then, like, do you all feel like there's any overlapping characteristics between stuff that has gone viral? Like, even just in your catalog, do you feel like there's an over, like, a characteristic that carries through? Or for me personally, all the all of the songs that I've had that have gone viral have been like very high, high energy, mm. uh, more up tempo. But I know that's not the case for everyone. Like, mm. um, what was like Olivia Rodrigo Driver's License? That song is super ballad like and a lot more like vulnerable but that went stupid viral too so yeah i don't know i I just think the the common characteristic between everything between my own catalog and other people's is there's a sense of authenticity or uniqueness to it if it sounds like something else that already has worked or if it feels like something else that's already too familiar it doesn't have that novelty that makes people want to that, that inspires people. You hit it in the head. I was going to say what what the sounds have in common mm-hmm. is that they inspire people to create content to it. And mm. it can be really high energy or really sad or really pop, but it's just like it, it makes you want to create content to it. And that's, and that's the common thread. I was going to say, how often do you think randomness plays into this too? Because I feel like there are songs that have each of these elements that we're talking about, but it just didn't happen and when algorithms can you know work and for the most part it is bringing the best things to the top but still there's only so much that people can consume right so like yeah right time luck you Mm -hmm. know yeah there's there's that too right 
But I think overall... Like still humanity, like still human life happening. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. exactly. If we could control everything, then what are we doing here? Right, right. (laughs) It makes me think, too, about like the whole concept of like the song of the summer and how record labels are trying to re-engineer, go back 20 years, figure out that thing. And sometimes Mm -hmm. they get it, but a lot of times, you know. I have an idea of it, but I think you kind of said it, but is there a a thread, uh, not just this like virality throughout time, like from like, we're talking about the YouTube days, you know, like up until now, I have my theory on it. And I think, I'll just tell you guys. Uh, I think like <laughs> when you said like it inspires people to create, like I started thinking about um, what Crank That is, you know, and like Crank That is oh, like- that was user-generated yeah. content. Perfect. Bobby yeah. Schmurt is not, it is asking you to dance, right? But it's like, it's a similar idea of that, right? Like what it asks you to participate. I think what makes um, a platform like TikTok different is that it's not SoundCloud where you're pulling the song and you're just, it's about like just, it's, it's a streaming platform. It's about, you're just pressing play and listens. It, there's no world in which I can take what you've done and employ it and somehow we both eat. Well, the, the thing about TikTok that's also very unique is that you can iterate on something multiple, multiple times and just add a little bit about yourself into that iteration. And then, you know, that's how trends evolve. Like you see it through like the trajectory of like a song's viral moment. Mm-hmm. It can be like essentially kept at a certain level of virality because of all those iterations, it's all of a sudden a new thing and it gives, breathes more life into it. When it's no longer iterating, is that when uh, a viral moment can kind of like start to dilute or dissipate? I would say, yes. Like we kind of feel like we've seen all the different things people are going to do with this, this object, this item. I mean, absolutely. And I think, you know, that's what I was talking about, how the community in TikTok really changes over Mm -hmm. time. Like, I remember when I first joined the platform, like, transitions were, like, the thing, right? (laughs) So, Mm -hmm. and, like, who could get the dopest transition? And, like, that that was sort of, like, the goal of your content. But that now obviously has changed with so many more people on platform, so many more personalities on platform, and so many more territories on platform. It's just become this massive sort of hodgepodge of content. And you can find inspiration anywhere. I'm curious, post-viral, how does that switch up your workflow, right? Like you were saying, there's some people that before, when you came into this, maybe you weren't thinking this is something like, oh, this is going to be part of my job description. But in many ways now, I'm sure it's added. Um, how is your workflow of how you not just cr- not just um, work a record, but like create? Um, I think immediately after having the the viral moment with mood, there was um, uh, a natural like instinct to try and replicate the success, like we talked about before. Mm-hmm. Which is it could work for some people, and it definitely I did have success with some of the songs after mood, but it took away a little bit of the fun from it of like trying things that are fresh and that are new versus like chasing something that you had already done before. So as of now, I'm back into that mode of like trying things that feel fresh and feel new again, which is, I'm I'm glad to be there. Guys, that's it. Thank you guys for pulling up. Like this has been um, really eye-opening. Also, I've never even thought of myself as a content creator, like the Ben Carson moment. Um, probably should have ate off that, you know? <laughs> I needed TikTok back then. Guys, that's it for this week's episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast. Make sure you follow and turn on notifications to stay up to date with each episode. And we'll see you next week.